Hey, what's going on, everybody? Back from a long break. We're back with the Krusty Cast. Today, I'm joined with a kind of a different guest, not a college fisherman, but kind of a jack-of-all-trades. His name is Cole Heck. Cole Heck, why don't you say hi to the people? How's it going, guys? So, Cole, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, how you were jack-of-all-trades, and uh, a little bit about your background. Uh, born and raised in Ohio, from Cleveland, raised in Cincinnati most of my life, but still a Lake Erie guy through and through. Big center console fishing guide, deep water, anything like that. But I can also go out in Colorado, fly fish, hike mountains, do whatever else you want to do. And you have a little bit of coastal fishing knowledge in you too, don't you? I do have a little bit of coastal fishing knowledge as well, especially Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> now you said Gulf of Mexico. Also, I know you're a pretty avid golfer. I am. This is very true. I was the kid back in high school getting kicked off golf courses for fishing and then going and golfing them the next morning. <laughs> Me and my, a couple of my buddies, uh, before I even golfed, uh, we would go to... Fallen Timbers Fairway, mm-hmm. and we go and just try to sneak on the course and just catch some fish. There are some pretty big fish in the the smaller ponds in that course. We got kicked out after you know a couple ponds. Didn't yeah. get kicked out necessarily. Uh, we saw all the park or the the course rangers, monitors or whatever driving yeah. around, and we just got scared. Yeah, You'll... but after after golfing there for a couple times, I now realized. They didn't even know, probably know we were there. They didn't even care, probably. Oh, absolutely not. That was part of my job this summer. I worked at a golf course, and my job was to kick fishermen off of our golf course. And <laughs> it felt really bad because every time I was like, guys, I really get it. But I can't have you doing it because I can't have that on my hands. <laughs> now, you were you worked at Ottawa, right? Ottawa Park, yeah. Yeah, dude, that, that's a nice golf course. Still, I think, my favorite for the price. It's the only course I've ever broke 80 on. So, <laughs> Now, I went and um, I golfed a little bit at Fostoria Country Club. Uh, yeah, I've, I've golfed off story before. Dude, that's nice course. Yep. Like, it's almost, like, perfect for, like, my level of play. Because yeah. Because it has, like, some challenge, but not a ton. <laughs> that's why I usually golf out in Firebird near Avon on Lake Erie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Firebird's, like, my favorite course in Ohio, basically. I cannot wait to go back to golf season after this winter. I I literally go to the simulator twice a week at this point. Yeah, how would uh, how did your trip with the simulator go with, uh, you know, trusting all them? Um, I'm the best. I mean, that's You're the best, you know, it's just plain bit. and simple. Yeah. <laughs> I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence, that's just how it is. But uh, yeah, simulators really uh, boost your ego and shoot your ego down at the same time, so it's a little bit complicated, but also it takes out the worst part of my game, which is my putting, because we just auto-putt everything, so. Oh, so you're just, you're just cheating, that makes sense. Is it cheating when you bomb at 310 down the fairway, though? Okay, you got me there. Yeah, but then you go to the simulator, swing someone else's driver that's nicer and newer than yours, and you're like, huh. Maybe I can afford a new driver right now. Maybe <laughs> yeah, I all, can. Oh, when you use it, it's like I didn't think I needed a new shotgun until you know I used someone's better shotgun. <laughs> I didn't know I needed a four hundred dollar rod reel combo until I used someone's four hundred dollar <laughs> rod reel combo. See, that's that's the that's the point where I'm at right now because I I started using the the Abu Garcia Black Max uh, Vengeance combo for just getting into bait yeah. casting. Oh, it's like the worst reel. It's not even that bad to be honest. I take that back. It's not a bad reel. But it's the cheapest reel, and I think almost everybody has had a Black Max. Have you yeah, had a Black Max? I have. I went from a loose, like, baseline bait caster, went up to the Black Max, and then in the high school when I was still bass fishing real hard, it was mainly, I. that was when Favorite became a big brand. I follow all the Favorite guys, Guggen Squad, all those guys. So I went to basically all Favorite rods late in high school. Yeah, the Favorite guys, uh, they had definitely had their spot with uh, – on my Instagram feed for a while there. I yeah. got one of their shirts at a at a fishing expo, but yeah. never have bought a favorite rod. I know my buddy um, Antonio Netadog, he's mm-hmm. a big favorite guy. He was on the podcast a while ago, a long time ago. Um, he's a big favorite guy. Don't hate on the favorite rods, 
I just don't never never really wanted to buy one besides the big sexy. <laughs> I really never upgraded after I got the defender rod from Lunkers because Lunkers was like the main guy I followed between hunting, fishing, military content. Like he piqued my interest the most, and then you got John B for the lightweight stuff. But I never really got into lightweight fishing. Yeah, Lunkers by far my favorite. Yeah, um, I've watched John B before Guggen was a thing. Yeah, he's uh, he's a good guy. I love his attitude. He's he's like I want to be his friend. You know, <laughs> I, I want thirty acres up in Maine for no apparent reason as well. <laughs> and just buying RZRs like it's nothing. <laughs> yeah, just buying brand new Forerunners, Razors, <laughs> Turbo Sleds, just because I can. Exactly. But anyway, going back to Lake Erie, you're a big Lake Erie guy. You know, we've talked about this before. Um, I mean, tell tell me what you love about it. I love Lake Erie because. It's more of it's obviously an inland lake, but it's an international lake at the same time, which kind of brings its own set of challenges, all different kinds of stuff like that. Um, also, I'm a big fan of bigger boats. I'm a big center console guy. My family runs a 32 foot whaler, so that's just kind of what I grew up around 40 to 30 foot boats. And don't get me wrong, I love the chime of a bass boat at 70 mile an hour, but I wouldn't be completely truthful if I didn't say it scared me a little bit. Oh, dude, bass boats are definitely like, um, I forget who was telling me. Uh, my buddy was like, I think it was Ben Barris. He's like, sometimes you just get, you just have to hold on for dear life when you're, when you're, when the guys are running his boat. Yeah, a bass boat's <laughs> like a high horsepower rear wheel drive car. Even if you're in complete control, it will take control of you very quickly. Very quickly. <laughs> Especially those new ones like the Phoenixes. I know we're running like 90 mile an hour plus. Oh, I even hear the Phoenixes are even scary to like run that fast. They yep. just Because they have, um, I think your buddy was talking to me about it. Yeah, I um, got most, he is a Ranger. That's what mm-hmm. we run most of the experience yeah. with 21 foot with I think a 250 HO on the back of it, something like that. But yeah, he was the one that was telling me about Phoenixes, how they just have that little, it's kind of hard to describe with it. It like sh- goes side to it's, side a little bit. It's a teeter, so yeah. they're they're not a they're not as deep of a V as like a Ranger. Mm-hmm. So they just teeter on their edge. They do have like a fulcrum at the bottom, but it's not going to cut the waves like a deep deeper V hull would. Yeah, see, I'm looking at getting like kind of a a Ranger style, mm-hmm. uh, like a champion almost for Lake champion. Erie. Yeah, I mean, I'm right here next to Lake Erie. That's probably where I'd fish most, Lake Erie, St. Clair. Yeah, like one of those hull boats, but with like the walleye windshields full all the way no, around. No, no, I want I want a straight up bass boat. You want a straight up bass, but boat. but I want it to be a little deeper so I can take it on Lake Erie on a, on a calmer yeah, day. Yeah, you're looking at like Rangers, Champions, mm-hmm. maybe some of the newer Nitros, but then you got to deal with being on a Nitro. And yeah, <laughs> it's like buying a Honda when you're buying a bass boat. You want to buy like the Cadillac, <laughs> which is like the Ranger. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm really I'm really looking at the Champions because you can get those for about you know used one. Kind of mm-hmm. like new motor, newer, new-ish motor, you know, early thousands motor. Yep. Still about, a two-stroke motor, yeah, but For about six grand, that, though. Yeah, that's not bad at all. That's exactly what I'm looking for, so that's that's kind of what I'm looking for. But, you know, going back into Lake Erie, you talked about how you were doing it. You do a lot of trolling almost exclusively besides perch. Exclusively trolling, yeah. yeah. Besides perch, tr- perch or drop shots. Besides that, we're running spoons for walleye we're dragging the we're usually dragging it about two miles an hour out by the dumps just off of cleveland because i'm where the boat is it's based just outside of cleveland so we're dragging the dumps going through the crow's nest stuff like that now with it being you know kind of the end of summer i feel like well today's what's 50 degrees after being like you know three weeks of you know sub zeros or zeros the three feet of snow in my front yard is (laughs) melting into my driveway and i almost got stuck yeah (laughs) man that ford ain't that ford ain't it is it oh you just put it in four high and let her eat it's fine (laughs) The turbo really loves it. Yeah, you getting uh, you getting a little excited to go back out to Lake Erie for the walleye. It's coming up here, I think, sooner than we'll we'll expect it. Uh, I'm excited for the walleye, but I'm more excited for just uh, spawn on bass because the spawn's really all I've been fishing for the past three years since I've been at school. 
Now you uh, Lake Erie or kind of ponds or whatever. Uh, really anything because with knowing most of the golf course managers around here, I've already talked to who I can get on their courses and uh, got some pretty good leads that I've been waiting to also share with you as well. <laughs> yeah, that's also that's always good to know people. I'm excited for the spawn. Um, I'm a big walleye guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up doing the walleye run, white bass run um, in the Maumee River. And uh, recently, my buddy Hunter has been taking me out to Lake Erie. At least he did last season. And I got to get him on here too. He's he's probably the most knowledgeable guy I know on yeah. Lake Erie. You'd love him. You'd have a conversation for you know four days with him straight. Probably. <laughs> I'm real good at talking. <laughs> yeah, he's he taught me so much stuff in like a couple days, and I thought I could ever learn before. Uh, just so yeah, he he got me super excited for walleye now because yeah. you know you go to Maumee River and it's the Maumee River. You're fighting yeah. with 15 guys for you know a you know foot and a half hole to get mm-hmm. your lure in there. They're getting snagged left and right kind of turned me off after he took me to the lake once <laughs> yeah when he when you're fishing walleye are you running west side or east side of the lake towards cleveland you know fisherman's oath i can't tell you because that's his that's his like uh that's his little deal with me yeah you, you got like a half of the lake you roughly stay on at least see honestly, i'm fishing out of cleveland honestly i i don't even know i kind of forget at this point and i don't even know Fair enough. Yeah, because I don't have. I'm actually trying to convince my uh, dad to let me run the whaler out to Toledo at some point this season and see if we can run anything just off the coast. Heck, that going whaler, into Michigan, that whaler would be perfect for even jigging too, and like mm-hmm. the 15 foot, well, 15 foot of waters and everything. Well, actually, right now it's getting a uh, the sea keeper installed downstairs. The uh, anti roll for the waves. It's a, about two thousand pound gyroscope that you put in the middle of the hull, and it erases all bob and waves do you really like need that um or is it more so a want that you can uh my stepmom gets seasick and my dad really likes using his boat (laughs) the reasoning i'm gonna go with you on that one hey dad if you're listening to this take a tip um i know mom doesn't want the boat you want but hey there's always uh you know pros and cons for fifteen thousand dollars you can get a nice gyroscope to stick in the middle of your boat plus with the sixty thousand seventy thousand dollar boat (laughs) <laughs> well, you know what my dad's looking yeah. for about you know, sixty you know, yeah. thousand. But um, so yeah, uh, we trolled. He got me on trolling, taught me a lot of stuff. He uses bandits yeah. almost exclusively. That's almost all we use mm-hmm. bandits. The occasional spoon. We have a smaller set of outriggers, so off the back of the thirty-two foot boat, we can run. I think the most we've ever we've ever run was thirteen lines. Dang, that's a lot. Yeah. So the law for Ohio, I believe, was three lines per person yeah and we were running six (laughs) you know we had two people in the boat and for me being like a fresh new guy i was so happy i went with him hunter because he he knew exactly what to do and i'm sitting there like freaking out the first day going out he's like oh dude you just gotta do this and just put it back no worries it's done it's perfect that's how basically me and my dad are we'll take turns i'll drive if he catches a fish then he switches to driving if we have guests on me and him are usually just one of us is running around throwing baits on. One of us is driving the boat, keeping it online. Because out there and towards Cleveland, the wind picks up a lot more on the lake. Mm-hmm. So usually you can be over here and it's blowing five mile an hour on the lake. Heck, dude, even five mile an hour winds can cause like white caps. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's that's part of the reason I love Lake Erie. That's part of the reason I hate Lake Erie. <laughs> it's it's a little different because I grew up on the Lake Erie, so I've been. <laughs> so my dad actually went through a big transition of boats. We had a pink speedboat 130 mile an hour cigarette style fountain yep then we went to a tierra which is like a open like almost like a deep sea type of vibe like a viking 
And then once he moved closer to his boat and it wasn't hours away and we didn't have to stay on it, we just went full into the center console game, which I'm stuck in the center console game. I think most people that have a center console would love a center console. Now, I don't know what style of boat it is. You know, I'm going to sound like an idiot even on my own podcast, um, but you can help me out with this. It's all right. That's my specialty. <laughs> sound like an idiot or help me out? Yes. <laughs> It's like, uh, so the ba- whole back of the end is like basically, it's a trolling boat. So the whole back yeah. end's open, and you have like um, an enclosed front bow. Yeah. And like, yeah. So what, what, what style would that be? So it's just basically going to be a fishing boat, but uh, like they don't really have a specific name for them. Okay, but that's so like the I'm traditional, not, yeah. So that, I'm not an idiot, idiot. Yeah, that's like the traditional boat to Lake Erie. So like the Lake Erie traditional boat is called a Lyman. It's a wood-hauled boat, completely open in the back. It's going to have one full inboard motor prop right below the motor drop straight down and those boats are just made to pierce waves and do nothing else just be comfy and then once they realize that like that equation of the hull design and everything work they basically just beefed it up start started making them in fiberglass and metal and then that's what kind of became like the commercial lake erie boats most yeah. of the time yeah well, you look at all the charter captains that's all they have yeah that's all they run or they're running small center consoles with a cutty up front Mm -hmm. that's about it now when you were like younger like i know when i was a little younger Mm -hmm. i just hated those boats because they didn't look like the cool bass boats oh trust me coming coming from the first boat my dad ever had was a speed boat i looked down on those people but now after like after like learning why they're made that way and like the real estate they have in the back i'm like no yeah no we should get that boat (laughs) yeah it's like yeah they have a low water line because that's convenient very convenient (laughs) they only have like forward controls because that way you have say it's a 26 foot boat you got 50 square feet of boat in the back Mm -hmm. just to walk through because usually those boats have like a 13 to 15 foot beam as well even like a 28 foot boat they almost look square if you look over them sometimes oh yeah but they they don't they don't rock they don't rock (laughs) nope they ain't fast but they don't rock oh they're they're and they're just comfortable like even if um even if you're not fishing yeah. yeah, I know a lot of them have attachments where you can put, like, a table in the back. They have, like, comfy seats or whatever. Yeah, that's, like, similar to what uh, my dad's second boat was. The gotcha. Tierra, it was a 35-foot open, I believe. Yeah, just a nice sunny day on Lake Erie. Just yep. take it out with your family or whatever. Just, you know, have a couple drinks on the boat in Lake Erie. Just putt around a little bit. Yeah, that's what comes around with those inboard motors, too, versus, like, the outboards on all the modern center consoles. The inboard motors, it's spin anything on a dime. You can cruise it. 500 rpm and it'll just sit there because the props are so much bigger on those kind of boats so kind of moving off of the luxury boats let's go back to what lake erie's you know good for (laughs) which is you know the walleye mostly walleye perch um but you know we're getting closer to walleye season so big trolling guy well tell us your tell some of your experience so uh actually first experience was not on a boat for with my dad i went out with one of my buddies and uh i didn't know walleye had teeth the first time i caught walleye Okay, I know where this story's going already. So we're trolling, trolling along. Not even a, not even a limit walleye, but we got to get the hook out, right? So, or a length limit. And we're just going along, trolling, finally catch a fish. I'm hanging out with my buddy. I think I was seven. Just, I'm used to bass fishing. Reach right in the walleye's mouth. Shred my finger. Absolutely gone. I, I feel your pain on that. Now, do you, do you do the white bass run at all? I do not do white bass. Okay, well, you should just go out in a kayak with me one time and just yeah. catch 40 white bass every cast, so it's a fun time. But their gill plate on white bass mm-hmm. are razor sharp. Yeah. My dad told me to watch out for it. First time I caught a white bass with my dad, because, you know, you got to watch out for the gill plate. you got to grab them a certain way so you don't cut yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it was flopping around everywhere in the river. I was freaking out. I was, I think, 15 at the time, maybe. Yeah. 
went out, grabbed it, looked at my hand. Oh, sure, shit, bleeding. Big old, because they have like almost like the quills, like a porcupine on their back. They're quills, and their, and their, yeah. Gi- and their gills come out to a point, and it's like a mm-hmm. whole different piece. That's right. It's like a, it's a, it's a literal knife, like behind their head. Yep. And I didn't realize how sharp it was. I was just more so focused on this, like no, their their quills, their dorsal fin. Yeah. But you know, yeah, just cut me right underneath the thumb, and I was like, oh god, I'm in the Mummy River with an open wound. This is great. <laughs> yeah, that's how that's how I feel. Some of my buddies fish the Ohio River down in Cincinnati, and I was like, no thanks, I would not like to catch and eat a fish out of chocolate milk. Yeah, wouldn't want to eat too many out of the Mummy River. Yeah. Um, we always usually, well, not always, but uh, in the past, we've usually have a, a catfish fry once mm-hmm. a year about. We'll go in there, we'll catfish, we'll catch, I mean, we'll catch 30, 40 catfish, but we'll only keep maybe three at a time. Yeah. And we'll keep them, we'll freeze them, you know, whatever, until we get about, you know, maybe 12 of them. Find yeah. a day that works, have a big old fish fry with catfish. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say, Mommy River catfish, they're not, they're pretty gamey. Yeah. They're Mommy River catfish. But, you know, if you have a big fish fry once a year with, like, you know, a couple people, yeah. it's not going to be that you, bad for you. Have you ever looked into, like, brining them to get, like, some of that game out? Like- so we soak them in milk the night before uh. we cook them. I got you. And that okay. takes a lot of the gaminess out of them. For catfish only, I do yeah. that. But, um, I mean, even even with that, sometimes I don't eat fish with, like, you know, condiments usually. But, man, I I put a little dab of ketchup on my plate. <laughs> ketchup for catfish, fair enough. I'm a tartar sauce guy myself, but fair enough. I think that's all we had, I think, was ketchup. So, yeah. <laughs> so it, was a, it was a one-time thing. I won't hold it against you. <laughs> uh, but, dude, though, going back to walleye, though, shredding your uh, hand open. During quarantine, this COVID has passed a couple yeah. of years, two years now, I think it's about. Yeah. We had fish tacos. Oh, my God. Walleye fish tacos, man. Yep. Delicious. Walleye. Don't even need a bread. Walleye fish tacos to a certain point. You just got to make sure it's fresh and fresh ingredients. And lime will fix everything. Lime will fix lime, everything. Lime, everything will be fixed with lime and salt. There's nothing you can't fix with lime and salt. No, I honestly agree. No, I agree yeah. 100%. There's no problem in this world you can't fix with lime and salt. It, be it margaritas or be it uh, fish. <laughs> I, I, I've i seen someone put a lime and salt in a Guinness because they didn't like a Guinness and then drink oh. it. Sounds bad, but if you just do enough, it just tastes like lime and salt. You know, don't knock it till you try it, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if it was enjoyable, but. <laughs> but he drank it, that's he for did. sure. He did. Uh, but, yeah, we had uh, Kroger sells this fish fish taco sauce that's just delicious mm-hmm. that's what we used oh, yeah. fresh lettuce fresh um, bell peppers everything yeah fresh like the oil still cracking on the walleye when you put them in your taco yeah. man it's delicious yeah where we run uh my dad's boat out of they do a walleye tournament every year mm-hmm. and it's like big like do the whole uh what's the name of it before you go out for a tournament like a bigger tournament uh I like the meeting like, they put all the bets on boats. You can do, like, side bets and stuff. Oh, uh, I know what you're saying. I don't know what that's called, but I know it's exactly what you're talking about. Oh, I can't think of the name of it. Um, point is. Point so, is. like, every year that happens, you go out, catch walleye for a weekend, biggest bag, biggest fish get rewards, all that stuff. And then what you do is you give it into the marina slash the club. It's Cleveland Yacht Club, but it's besides the fact. And they will literally take them to the kitchen, professionally fry up all the fish for you. And bring it out to your boat after you're done fishing on the final day of the tournament. If you made it to the final day, oh, that's that's nice. I thought of the name Calcutta. Calcutta. Calcutta is the name of it. The marina or the the tournament. The uh, meeting before the tournament oh, with all the okay, side bets. Okay. Gotcha. It's the Calcutta. Gotcha. Yeah, I've never been part of that. 
um, would kind of want to like do that for a year and just just have fun with it, not really be too serious the first year about it. I, you know. I could have a spot for you on my dad's boat next year. <laughs> well, let's go. I think it's July 8th. I'll make some custom bandits for us. We can do that. <laughs> we can do that. Uh, yeah, I got to get my hunter, my buddy Hunter down here. We're we're trying to make some uh, some more of our jigs and some get some custom bandits going to to the market. Um, but that's hopefully we can get that going this season before the before the wall. I really start biting, uh, make our make our name if if I will. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, the tournaments is definitely like a scene that I'd, it'd be fun to get into. I feel like oh, one hundred percent, especially if I can get your name out a little bit too we can like start work i can tell you what colors are hitting where when why oh yeah i could help as well oh you would love my buddy hunter you would you would absolutely love him that's one of the things about walleye if you're not running the right colors you're getting nothing well it's like um my no not no if you're listening to this jeff i'm sorry but i'm gonna i'm gonna make fun of you a little bit here so my my godfather Mm -hmm. he got a really nice boat for lake erie uh Mm -hmm. And he goes out and trolls with my dad sometimes, and some days they just don't get anything. One day, oh, me yeah. and my buddy Hunter went out, limited out in forty-five minutes, and then went to troll for bigger ones. Yeah. He's alive, well, yeah. I had a makeshift fly well, so we, you know we could call fish and everything. Yeah. Um, he was telling me, and I was like, I, "Took you all day to catch, you know, four of them? What, what, mm-hmm. What's going on?" And yeah, you it, find the colors. It's really just yeah, it's it's that knowledge gap, it's that learning curve mm-hmm. that I think it's very steep. So you could be like, you could know a lot. Mm-hmm. And then there's that steep curve where you just know a couple more things and you're on more fish. Well, yeah, that's another thing. Even with water temp, walleye are super temperamental because we can go from during the tournament, we'll run six miles offshore one day, almost into Canadian water off of Cleveland. And then the next day, we'll be running a mile offshore in 30 feet of water versus running off a cliff that's that drops from 30 to 60. It's all about the water temp and the colors oh, yeah. for them. Yeah, like I remember, I was like my second time going out with him. Uh, we jigged up in like 15 foot of water, just murky as ever mm-hmm. right after a storm or a couple of days after a storm, but murky as ever brown water got our limit real fast though. Yeah. But then we're like, are oh, you want to run out and try to get some big ones? And I was like, uh, yeah, probably a seven to eight, nine mile run. Mm-hmm. Finally just started finding clear water and yeah. fish, you know, about, about two or three feet off the bottom. Mm-hmm. And that's, then we just put the water troller, our trolling rods in had to get the depth a little bit. It took us about an hour to get you know the depth and everything yeah, right. Normally off, uh, I'm usually running 35 to like 50 feet, feet of depth, but we're going a little further off in Cleveland just because the dumps and stuff is yeah. usually where the walleye hang out, where the old trash dumps were. So you got to run around those. You're dodging buoys. You're dodging all this stuff and running a 30 foot spread out behind the boat makes it a little bit hard sometimes. Yeah. It's definitely a lot to, uh, maintain and control, especially for someone inexperienced, but you know, you guys aren't inexperienced, but you know, it looks intimate. It looked intimidating to me just running three rods off of our boat. Yeah. I mean, even when my dad got back into walleye fishing, probably like six, seven years ago, his last experience was with his dad on, uh, the Western side of Lake Erie out in or Catawba, Putin Bay, Port Clinton, Avon, all that kind of stuff. So even coming from that, it was a completely different experience for him because Lake Erie fundamentally changes it about Cleveland. It turns into cliffs mm-hmm. instead of beaches like slowly. Yeah. It's like Catawba. Like where, where the islands are, it's usually not like a whole lot of high drop-offs in the lake. But once you get out to Cleveland, if it's not man-made into the lake, it's a cliff. There's a, there's a lot of reefs and everything. I know mm-hmm. night fishing is insane on the reefs. Night fishing's ridiculous. I actually last summer, no, two summers ago, ran overnight from avon all the way to just just west of cleveland in the middle of the night trolled 15 miles jeez just and slayed them 
just <laughs> well, caught, caught limit by the time like I was back at our marina. Well, it's like even going to the pier at night, they come they come up really shallow to, to feed, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like you don't even heck, you don't even need a boat especially, sometimes. Especially when the water temps are really nice. When oh, the water exactly. temps are nice, you could literally throw a Cheeto in the water and catch a walleye. You know, for someone that's right next to Mommy River, mm-hmm. it kind of depends on on the air temp for me. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I I might not want to sit out there all night freezing my butt off to, to you know catch a couple fish. Exactly. <laughs> when I could well, go in the morning. And with the sunlight and everything, go to the Maumee River, and, you know, maybe not. It'd be harder. It's, you know, you're working for those fish in the Maumee River. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing about walleye. Walleye will travel most, like, fish like that. Like, a perch doesn't really move a whole lot. A perch is going to pick, like, a 10-mile radius. It's going to swim that radius, and it's not really going to change a whole lot, right? A walleye will swim out to 30-degree colder water because it feels like it. Exactly. I mean, they, they swim out all the way up the rivers to, yeah. just to spawn. Yeah, and if you see a perch on, like, a fish finder, you see 30 of them. Mm-hmm. You see a walleye, could be a pack of two, could just be a single running around doing whatever he wants. And that's usually the big ones, granted, but walleye, they're they're a hard fish to figure out. The only harder fish I've had to figure out besides walleye is for, like, two years in high school, I got on, like, a big steelhead kick, like, going out in waders in the marshes and trying to catch steelheads, but I lost interest in that once it was cold enough. <laughs> yeah, me and my couple of buddies, Malachi and Kenny, we went up to, oh, where was it? Somewhere up in Michigan, about a three, four-hour drive up to Michigan. Um, I can't even remember the name, but um, I went up there, and I had I'd strep throat about two days before. So I got my antibiotics two days mm-hmm. before. And, you know, 24 hours after your antibiotics, you're not contagious anymore. Yeah. So I was like, you know, they were all fine. You're not feeling great, but you're not contagious. Well, usually after the 24 hours of antibiotics, I feel fine. Yeah. That kind of goes away. Antibiotics work. But, man, I had a sinus infection I didn't know about with strep throat. So I was like, I was, like, down for the count that trip. But I thought, you know, after 24 hours of antibiotics, I should be fine. This this next day might be a little bit. Like, I'll bounce back. It'll be fine. But we went up there, and I'm just feeling, like, absolute trash the whole time. But I'm like, I don't want to, like you know, act like I'm feeling like trash. Cause mm-hmm. like my buddy drove with me. Um, and I was like, oh, I don't want to end the trip for him. Oh, so I didn't just not. get taken on antibiotics, taking like, I was living on Advil and, you know, um, anti-congestions, but got to the point where we met up with one of his buddies up there. They went out fishing. I took a nap on his couch. <laughs> yep. You're like, I, I really want to guys, but, uh, not sure if this is working out this time. But then when my, when my buddy Kenny got up there, uh, cause he had to come up a day later. Yeah. And, um, he could drive Malachi back. That was that was kind of the plan all along. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I'm taking the four-hour drive back, and I'm missing out on a day and a half of fishing, but I just can't do this anymore. Yeah. Honestly, it was a great trip, but it was the worst trip of my life because of the sinus infection. And You're like, <laughs> this was fun, however. <laughs> this was, It was fun. Dude, it was beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it was so beautiful. Did was I have like the Indian Lake area, maybe? It wasn't lakes. It was all, like, streams and rivers. Hmm. It was steelhead were coming up for the spawn, um, and I, I forget. I think they caught caught a couple the day that I left. Gotcha. But yeah, we it was just beautiful. I, did I have the right equipment? Absolutely not. It was yeah. my first time, and I didn't have a job, so I was like, no, I don't want to buy anything new. Yeah. After uh, going out to Colorado after my senior year of high school, fishing the Colorado River on a raft fly, just wading and flying and going between all the brooks and streams and all that kind of stuff i kind of realized if i'm gonna be fishing brooks i'd rather catch like little brook trout maybe some rainbows but kind of lost my itch for steelhead after fishing out in colorado it kind of ruins it for you oh, i bet i mean colorado besides even the fishing just just going out there it's it's just a sight to see yeah at one point on the trip it was just me and my dad we hiked i think starting at about 
eight eight or nine thousand hiked up to about twelve thousand feet stayed the night and there's probably like a six or seven acre perfectly clear lake on top of this mountain there yeah it's it's sometimes you know you don't even care if you don't catch fish oh i didn't catch a fish but i still love the experience i had an 80 pound pack on my back the entire time and i'm just tossing out a fly rod acting like i know what i'm doing Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, that was basically the same thing with steelheads. It was just, no matter where we went, it was just absolutely beautiful. And I hooked up into one, but with my Black Max. And my ah. Black Max was, was, it's about nine years old now. So it was about maybe, you know, seven years old back then. I'm sure with some not-so-fresh braid on it or something. No, not, no, no fresh braid at all. I haven't changed braid since I got it. But um, it wasn't <laughs> no the braid. It, nothing. it wasn't the braid that that messed up the line mess didn't mess up it was everything was fine it was the drag that messed up so i hooked into the fish and my drag as soon as i like went to pull mm-hmm. you just, i just heard gears grinding inside and line just coming out and i was like oh no so i just tried to reel faster just more yeah. grinding and eventually you just smelt that burnt metal yeah. you know how that smell in your well bearings were just gone they were just gone yeah. all the ball bearings were now solid pieces yeah basically turning and ball bearings into I, rings i lost that fish but you know i hooked up into one so i was pretty happy you hooked <laughs> up into one. so that was yeah, that was a highlight of the trip for me yeah i have it see i have this weird thing when it comes to bass fishing i'd rather finesse with a with a spinning rod I, my yeah i like i like bait casters don't get me wrong i can use one but something about just flipping pads with like a like seven two medium heavy rod with like 20 pound test on it just pulling them through the pads trying to get a top water it's just more fun to me but that's what like the fundamental difference is between the walleye if i'm going to be sitting out in the middle of the lake i'd rather be doing walleye if i'm running banks then i want the bass so yeah well i mean bass fishing with me is i i love i love my bullet weight setup where it's like you just you're just throwing it into thick stuff 24 7 but i I have a very special uh, spot in my heart for finesse, like spinning tackle, because mm-hmm. it's just, it, I don't know, it's just satisfying. Not a whole lot can beat a nice spinning rig and like a spinning rod and like a Texas rig. Well, right now I have an, uh, I have an Enigma rod with a Fluger Summit, and it's, it's my favorite setup. If I ever have a chance to drop shot or Ned rig with it, I will, because it's just, it's so satisfying to hold and just, you know, work the bait. Yeah. That's how I feel about all my Shimano reels. I went, I, after going favorite, like, I just took the favorite rods, put Shimano reels on them. And Shimano, you do pay the premium for it if you're going to get the premium reels, but the all yeah. metal feel, powder coated, perfect, you can't really beat it a whole lot. Well, like right now, I really want to get a Shimano, you know, a Corrado DC. Corrado DC is really nice. But that's if you, $250 reel. Well, what you can do is possibly look on eBay. You can find... So, Corrado DCs are made in three places, I believe. There's Japan models of the Corrado DC. There's Mexico models of the Corrado DC. And then I think, like, Puerto Rico or something else. You should go on eBay and look for a Japan model of the Corrado DC. You're going to pay a little bit extra, but I bought one, and I blew up two other Corrado DCs and never blew up the one from Japan. See, I want a Corrado DC, but I'm not fishing tournaments or, you know, I'm not in college, fishing tournaments for college. You say that now. I do say that now. <laughs> but um, the, I uh, forget even, uh, it's the SLX DC. I forget who makes it exactly. Um, It's not Lose. No, it's not Lose. I like Lose uh, reels, though. People hate on Lose reels. For, um, for like, mo- like, I wouldn't go to their expensive reels at that point. I would just upgrade to Shimano, personally, but, like... For like the cheaper end of the reels, lose is perfectly enough for me. Like I learned how to use a bait caster on a lose reel, so 
yeah, we all kind of have our favorite reels in mind. Like, right, mine is lose. They'll always be a favorite in my heart. But what I really want to get at for the end of this is there's a story about Putin Bay that I know you're holding back for me right now. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. What story are you referring to? That some, does not involve a smoky burnout in some, front of a bunch about of tourists burning up a couple tires on a truck in front of people. That yeah, no, I think that's the story you're talking about right there. Ah, you were close. No truck, car. No, oh, it's a car. All right, yeah, yeah that story. <laughs> so, uh, my grandparents live up on Catawba Island, right by the which is if you've been to Putin Bay, where the ferry takes off, not the Jet Express, but the ferry, and uh, we've got a little bit of a. It's it, I would call it a project car. It's completed. It's an old 1996 Lincoln that has about 600 wheel horsepower, supercharged, very loud. It's kind of known around the island as, like, if that car comes by, he's going to pass you in a very aggressive fashion. It's going to be very <laughs> loud and very fast. It's always ha- it's always good to have that known car, you know? Yeah, so ever- so on smoother days, we'd go put it on the ferry, take it over to Putin bay And uh, if you've ever been on the Putin bay Ferry, you go uphill to get onto the island itself. Yep, yep. So what uh, I learned with my grandpa one time is you can do about an 80 mile an hour burnout shooting flames out the exhaust now, while all the tourists are a safe distance away. But I, you don't, know, you, I don't believe you on safe distance away. I've, I've walked off that ferry in between cars. I don't, I don't believe you oh, on no, safe. Oh, no, it wasn't on the ferry. It was once we were off and on land. No, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> a burnout's a burnout. They're fine. A burnout is a burnout, yeah. But anyway, call it a driver mod. So now I'm guessing you know some tourists at Putin Bay can be real sticklers for the rule. Karens, you might you might say the golf cart people. The golf cart people. The golf cart people. However, I do strive to have a golf cart when I'm there. But the golf cart people. That so. is for set aside reasons, as we all are aware. So now, are you telling me that you you got away with this big burnout scot free? So originally, like back a couple boats ago, like I was talking about, like the speedboat and stuff. We were members at. Uh, it was called the cruise nest. It's kind of like a, like a, not the public docks on Putin Bay. You have to be a member, but you're allowed to dock there. It's gets a little rid of, rid of a little bit of the touristness, the riffraff, because you're kind of only by the membership there if you're going to be there for a while. So yep, makes sense. Knew I, most. Of the, I fished in those docks. <laughs> oh yeah. No, so we knew most of the people that I knew the people that own cruise nest, own boardwalk, own all that. So uh, it's kind of hard to get in trouble on that island when you know all the people that are making the money for it. Agreed. And Putin Bay police are a different kind of police. I feel like they deal with so much that um, it's 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 warranted. <laughs> me me doing a burnout is the least of their worries. <laughs> Honestly, though, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it depends. I think what type of time of day. If it's like you know noon, I'd be like, yeah, they'd probably be like, oh, it was. It, it he was, might be drunk. Let's go check it out. <laughs> it was around noon. No, perfectly sober. Just. Given the t- that was that was my grandpa's big thing with the silver car because it's a silver car. It's giving the tourists a show. Yeah. So you know, just every once in a while, you're gonna have the Karens that don't like it, but then you're gonna have the people that really were like, "Wow, that car just did a very loud burnout, and it was awesome." It made my weekend just a little better. You just gotta make the little kids smile a little bit. Do it for the kids. It's always for the kids. It's definitely not because I enjoy doing burnouts in fast cars. No, no, no. No, no, that's not me. That's not me. See, that wouldn't hold up in court. Depends. <laughs> How cool is the judge? Uh, facts, facts. <laughs> if the judge is a car guy, I might get away with a little something. But uh, anyway... Well, how did that? Uh, th- 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 that's all that happened. No, you didn't get you didn't get questioned or anything. No questions. No. A couple people gave me high fives at the stop sign at the top of the hill, and uh, said, "Nice car. What's under the hood?" I said, "It's a four point six liter V eight with a two point five liter Kenny Bell supercharger on it," and they said, 
sounds good. And I went, I know. You're telling me you didn't get any repercussions from that. You might be one of the luckiest guys I know. It's, it's America, man. We love, we love, America, we, we love V8s and burnouts. What we can do, I tell we you? Do love, we do love a good V8. <laughs> we do. Coming from the guy who drives a hey, truck hey, with hey. a 2.7 liter EcoBoost, talking about myself. Hey, man. Hey, man. I thought you were going to make fun of my Chevy Cruze, but oh, I was no. going to say, it's a manual. It's a six-speed manual. <laughs> uh, nah. My new truck that I got, it's a 270 EcoBoost, which I do. I am a big Ford guy. I will swear by the EcoBoost. It's Dude. definitely not because my dad builds them. Well, no. my um, So my dad has a Eco Diesel. Mm-hmm. Uh, a 1500 eco diesel ram things nice as hell man mm-hmm. so yeah i don't i don't mean i don't hate on the eco boost or whatever mm-hmm. so ford has the three liter power stroke which is like the uh rival to the eco diesel but then the eco boost is just a gas motor they make a two seven and three five like the three fives which yep. in the new raptors yeah that's actually what my dad builds so i'm a big fan of turbo sixes and ford trucks i think it's more of the future versus some other alternatives like GM, I know, announced no gas cars in 2035. That's a big statement. That's a bold statement. <laughs> I think it's because California said something about no more new ga- no no more new fossil fuel vehicle sales after 2035. You'll only be able to use buy used vehicles in California. See, you know, I could see it going there. Really could. I but think. I think they threw the date out to sound better, and then they're going to step. They definitely. Oh, yeah. They definitely threw it out there to sound better. And 2035 may have. I'm going to be honest. May have given them some. Maybe a five ten year cushion on it, because yeah. at the rate of technology progressing, I mean, it's it's probably not going to be too soon where most companies are making all electric cars. Well, the main issue is you're going to run into grid problems. Oh yeah. So I actually my freshman year in college, I'm a junior now. If I didn't say that already, but um, wrote a thirty page paper about why the U S. isn't ready for electric cars <laughs> because well, all the grid systems like sixty seventy years old. So sixty to seventy years old. Cities like San Francisco still have blackouts to this day, and Which they can't fix them. Honestly, is insane. But I remember I I um read a read an article about it. I think it was a couple oh honestly a couple of days ago. Um, it was saying how about um if like eighteen of like however many power stations we have mm-hmm. could black out the entire country. Yep. So the I think the math that someone else did that I put in my research paper was we'd need approximately. 30 to 40 more nuclear power plants in the u.s and hey and man, that's not with reef and then that's not with redesigning the entire grid and nuclear nuclear power man it's easy it's hey safe, it's clean we, we got one right <laughs> up the street from us on lake Erie. And it, i know I, man, I, I, I've, I've never running out of power my phone charges in an hour i don't I even mean, know what you mean this third arm growing out of my back is a little annoying <laughs> but besides that <laughs> Yeah, that's why you just don't eat fish from Lake Erie sometimes. You got to get away from the... Uh, yeah, it must have been all the fish I eat. What, what is it? The uh, Davis Bessie. Davis Bessie. No, dude, Davis that's Bessie. where all the, you know, that warm water offshoot, that's where they all are. Yeah, you're not, you're not wrong. <laughs> Tell you what, though, one time I took a wrong turn and it led down a road that led to one of the Davis Bessie uh, privacy gates and I was... And, I got greeted real firmly. Oh, I bet you did. I was trying to find a boat ramp because out there you have the marshes and everything. You got the, like the Oak Harbor yeah. area because I uh, passed that to go to like Cleveland or like my grandma's out in Catawba every time I go past the Davis Bessie. But one time I had a boat behind me and I was just trying to find the boat ramp. You got the. I um, did not find the boat ramp. I found we're going to 
point and shoot here in about five seconds. Yeah, you got the <laughs> what is, is, is it military that guards? I'm sure it's military that guards. Um, it's private. private. It's private sector, private. but because anyway, it's owned yeah. by Toledo Edison. You got glorified cops, which are basically military guarding that. You're gonna walk in there with a boat. Hey, can I just use your uh, your warm water offshoot for a boat ramp real quick? <laughs> I just I'll be in and out, no problem. <laughs> no, no worries. Why are you guys loading your guns? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Yeah, Paul Blart nuclear cop looking at me down the <laughs> looking at me down the sights, and I'm just like, hey man, I'm just trying to slay some fish. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, pretty good conversation we had there. I appreciate you coming on. Um, I know during this, you know, still end of I would hope the end of COVID, it's kind of easier to get people on. Anything you want to plug Instagram or anything? Anything you want to say at the end of this? Uh, not a whole lot of plugs. Just uh, excited for summer. Get back to fishing. We get back to are. golfing. We really are. anything but two feet of wet snow in my driveway. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks for coming on. And I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and stay tuned for more. This has been the Krusty Cast and see you guys later.